Today, we help you get your pockets right. Uh, I can't never sleep, I don't got too many days. Uh, food for thought, feeding your success with the base. Uh, I can't quit the game, gotta focus till I finish. Uh, I was in the cage, yeah, now I know I'm living. Uh, they be working hard, trying to keep you in the chains. Uh, if you got your mind charged, you ain't gotta stay. Woo! This is the Sam Jones Talk Podcast. I'm so happy you could make it. Today's gonna be great. It's episode 12, Let's Talk Money. I have with me an information technology consultant, systems engineer, a solid businessman, and the Marcus Garvey of real estate. He is freeing the minds of the people. I have with me Todd Lane. How are you, sir? Doing well, Sam. Glad that you allowed me to be with you, but I appreciate that intro. That was that was very kind. Of you. Yeah, well, that's how <laughs> I, I was feel. like, who are you talking? Right, about? <laughs> right. That's how I feel, man. Wait until we get into it. You'll see what I'm talking about. So, um, I want to address a few things, and the first thing would be uh, the middle class. I want to talk about the middle class and how it seems as though it's shrinking. And I was looking at something from the Pew Research Center, and they defined the middle class as earning between two thirds to double the median household income. So that's roughly like 40 grand to around 120 grand. So if you're making between that, then you're considered the middle class. And looking at you know what's happening, financial reports, just following the trends of things, it looks like you know the middle class class may be shrinking, and eventually you know, move to a place where we're just looking at rich folks and poor folks. And we'll get into exactly what that means and how that can affect you. One of the reasons uh, some are speculating that this has happened is because of technology and how technology has taken jobs for some middle-class people, especially if you like live in New York, you know that Metro, going to get your tickets now, there's a machine or easy pass, things like that that affect people who make, you know, between that amount of money. The middle class, they say sometimes that's what's affecting things. Also, I believe it could also be a lot of this structuring where supposedly the the systems put in place that helps the upper class or the 1% and by doing so, it'll trickle down and it's, you know, what JFK said in the sense that you know the rising tide lifts all boats which is something that we have yet to see but these are the kind of things that and other things that we'll talk about today that we you know are shrinking the middle class and what I'd like to know is if you feel Todd that ownership business land and hard work is the key to actually securing your financial future undoubtedly yes uh, you know, the thing is, is as, as you mentioned, I have a technology background and the things that you did specify as far as automation, automation is, is drastically changing the environment of labor today. Um, you know, I always, you know, got a angry when you had these candidates coming out and political candidates coming out in the last election cycle. Hey, we're going to bring manufacturing jobs back. Right. Okay, you bring those things back and, you know, they always talk about a living wage and, you know, with the economies of scale and how automation is, is, is like you said, you go to Wawa or convenience store, you have kiosks that you do yourself ordering. You can see it already playing out today. Uh, you know, so the thing I always say is uh, that you have to look and say, all right, if automation is coming in, 
okay, what are the jobs that are gonna, or the new opportunities that are gonna open up now that we have this paradigm shift in you know, the way our economy and labor forces. You know, I tell people, I always use the example of the ATM, right? ATM started coming on. You started seeing bank tellers start going down. Um, but it opened up opportunity where people would go to a trade school, learn how to fix ATMs. They could create their own business. Mm -hmm. You know, you see all these ATMs now. You remember ATMs, they just only used to be specifically at banks, right? right? Now they're everywhere. They're at Wawa, they're at 7-Eleven, sometimes they're in the mall by themselves. So imagine if I had taken the opportunity to go to a trade school, acquired that skill, and now I'm able to create my own business by servicing ATM machines, right? And that's the mentality that I believe, and this gets into the education aspect, right? We need to rethink how we educate and how we consume education. That traditional method of, okay, I go my 12 years and, you know, uh, you know from uh, elementary to high school, and then immediately now I'm going to go to a four-year or five-year college. And by going to college and spending $120,000, $200,000, depending upon where you're going, that, that's going to guarantee me a job, that's all out the window. Uh, with the advent again of technology, like my my story was, you know, I I was an athlete. I had a scholarship to Rutgers University. You know, I got a degree. It was a liberal arts degree. My first job coming out of college was selling vacuum cleaners, <laughs> and I had to go through some hard times to learn. Like I'm not going to be doing that. I mean, it was a good experience because it showed me what I didn't want to do, and it motivated me into going into where I wanted to go. Well, let me jump in right there because you just went past like five different questions and touched up. You're going to see I literally have several things that you mentioned that I wanted to dig into. So wait, before you before you go further. <laughs> so let me ask this. Somebody may say, I'm not making a lot of money. You know, how can I get more outcome from my current income? What are some of the things they could be doing? Well, really, the thing that you have to do, you have to look at you know, we're in a uh, economy where service is paramount, right? You see all these eateries that are open up. You see a lot of different fast food places. You see things like Grubhub. You see things like Uber. Everything is geared towards a service economy, meaning that there's uh, things that people used to do traditionally that they would do on their own that now they're willing to pay for. Um, I believe that people need to identify these things and a lot of times it's something as simple as okay like I said you look at Uber who would have thought being able to create technology that brings people that are looking for rides together with people that are you know providing rides and they created the technology to bring that together they own no cars you know what I mean they no own no no licenses they provide the technology and now they've created a multi-billion dollar business I believe that's what people have to look for now. They have to look for, look at things that people normally would have done for themselves and look at how they can monetize that and create a business out of it. Um, also, there's you know already models that are out there. We understand franchises. Franchise might not be for everybody, but you have franchises that are starting under $50,000, $25,000 that people can start to generate that additional income. And so what people have to do is change that mentality that I'm going to either graduate high school or graduate college, work for a business for 30, 40 years. Those days are gone. You're not going to work for one company for 30, 40 years, get the gold watch, you know, have that pension and be able to ride off into the sunset. Right. People are living longer. You know, we look at the demographics of, of people living longer. We look at our social networks and how they're not going to be able to support people living into their 80s and 90s. 
So what you have to do, you have to, to be proactive. You have to realize that I have to create my own destiny. And that's what I would recommend to people is that, you know, you have to look for things, you know, find out what your passion is, you know, and find out and do the research of how can I make that monetary for me? How can that generate another stream of income? Because there's a model out there, whether you create it from scratch or whether it's already existing, there's a model out there for you to be able to take hold of that. So let's jump into you a little bit further. You mentioned something about um, your college years. So in the earlier years, were there any missteps that you made financially oh yeah not knowing knowing how credit and debt works that's like the biggest to me that's the biggest flaw in our society today we tell people hey be a lawyer be a doctor you have some of the best doctors that are in debt because they don't understand finance you know one of the things i, I think i've read an article where recently uh, i believe it is not new jersey but i i think it is new jersey where they're talking about now they're going to treat uh teach financial literacy or have that as a part of the curriculum that's you know a requirement mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing that most people have messed up with you know i remember in college you know they would have at the student center they would have the credit card companies there giving you credit cards giving you three four five thousand dollar limits and kids are going crazy because i know i was like hey this is free money i remember because that. there wasn't an understanding of how credit and debt works mm -hmm. all right you know i believe that once you teach people how to leverage and have you know the whole rich 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 dad poor dad you know there's good good debt and bad debt you know in order to be able to expand and get to the point where you can grow a business create a business grow a business um, there's a certain amount of debt you do need to take on but it has to be able to be working for you mm -hmm. you know real estate is you know one of those areas where hey if I know how to leverage it I can create and buy homes where I'm basically using other people's money if I understand how to do that Right. So. so what did you have to learn um, to kind of give you that that shift in your thinking with regards to finance? What is it that, sh that helped you to make that shift from where you were making the mistakes with the credit cards early to the juggernaut that you are now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting there. Um, one of the things, you know, as I grew in my technology field, you know, um, in technology, as you are in consulting and you get more and more certifications, you become more marketable where you can generate more income. Um, I remember where I was like, hey, I'm making pretty good money um, until I saw exactly how much they were billing me out for. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, if you're billing me out for that and if it wasn't for my skills and my know-how, you know, you wouldn't be able to bill me out. I could bill myself out. Mm. Um, that's when I first ventured into my entrepreneurship where I created my own LLC to begin my own uh, consulting and technology. Uh, and that was the eye-opening experience where it showed me that, you know, working for somebody else is a limiting factor. You're, you're going to be limited. They're only going to pay you, uh, you know, just enough to keep you just over broke right mm -hmm. um, you're not going to really realize the full capabilities of business and your power of earning until you take that next step now again there's some people it's not for everybody but really if you want to be able to be viable and to be able to have you know uh, the, the flexibility and, and be able to earn that that income you have to take that next step and, and, and venture into the entrepreneurship so what do you say to people that say, man, I'm good. I have the conventional investments down pack. I have stocks, I have pensions. Or somebody may say, hey, I have the less risky 
uh, investment. I have mutual funds. Well, I my my first question, you know, because I, 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 you know, in some of my ventures that you know me and my business partner into too, we we've done a lot of research on the traditional methods of people preparing for retirement. Um, one of the first things uh, people make a mistake when they're preparing for. Uh, or they're talking to a, an advisor or whatever is a lot of times they say well how much money will I be able to save when I you know and have accumulated by age you know 65 right that's the wrong question the question should be okay the money that I accumulate when I reach 65 how long will that last me it's not how much you earn. You could have $2 million, but how long will that money last me in the demographic or the geographic area that I live in? Especially since we're living longer now. Yes, and that's the, that's the point. And then you look at uh, the actual investments. When you look at Wall Street, right? I call it the Wall Street Casino, right? You know, <laughs> because you can, you can you know, mm -hmm. earn big money, you know, when the market's doing well, and you can lose a lot of money when, it, when, it, when it's not doing well. That's right. So it, it's not how much money you can earn, it's how much money you can keep, mm -hmm. right? And so when you start looking at mutual funds and, and you know, somebody that might not be uh, savvy in financial planning, those things might be the best situations for them because they don't understand. But the reality of it is that money's going to run out at some point. There's there's information we had. Uh, me and my business partner had the chance to talk to Ted Benna. Mm -hmm. Ted Benna is the person that's credited with creating the 401k. In our discussions with him, he said the way that the 401k is being used today was never his intent when he created it, because. People are using a 401k or a tax deferred, you know, vehicle as their primary way to save for retirement. How was it initially created? What it was, was it initially created for high earning execs to be able to defer taxes into the future. Mm. Okay. And that was in supplement to having your pension and having your social security. Okay, old-time accountants, they talked about there used to be a three-legged stool to um, retirement. You had your personal savings, like a 401k savings account. You had your Social Security, and you had your pension, right? Now, do, you, do jobs offer pensions today? Nope. There's very few. So now you think about it, the three legs to the retirement are one leg less. So how is that retirement going to stand now that I'm using a tax-deferred vehicle as my primary use you know because a pension is guaranteed mutual funds they're not guaranteed just like we see market downturns god forbid a market downturn happens in the middle of retirement what are you going to do you might have built a nest aid of three million dollars but if you lose half that value what are you going to do you're not getting it back so People have to realize when they're talking to their financial advisors and they're, you know, pushing them into stocks and bonds. To me, I think the stock market should be looked at as, hey, if I have money that I can stand to lose, then I might put it into the stock market. But if this is money that I'm needing to prepare for retirement that needs to be guaranteed, I need to look at vehicles that are going to have my principal safe that I can earn a decent amount of interest to keep up or bypass inflation. Um, but if the market goes down, I'm not going to lose it. So let's just assume everyone watching says, hey, I'm on board. I get it. Real estate. That's the thing to do. But I have low income and horrible credit. How am I going to ever get an investment property? What would you say? Well, that's where me and my business partner created a model to help people that are challenged in that way. You know, we, we understand that credit is the uh, 
door opener for everything. Anything you want to do, a business, a house, anything of that nature is going to require uh, your credit to be right. So what we do in our program, we have a, a three different programs, but our entry program we call MyLandlordIsFired.com. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, it's called MyLandlordIsFired.com. We have so many people today that are renters, that are able, they're paying a mortgage, they're just paying somebody else's mortgage, right? So they have the viability and the wherewithal to actually pay for a mortgage, but because they've been challenged with credit and they don't know how to get out of it, or get to a place where they can be successful, they're just satisfied with where they're at. So our program, we can show people uh, how, first of all, we educate them. You know, Just like I said, many of us, we're not educated about finance. And in our program, as we're taking that person that had challenge credit, and we're moving them through our process to get their credit cleaned up, you know, we had just had, a, to give you an example, we had a couple that we closed on about two weeks ago. They started off last year, 530 credit score. Never thought they would be able to be home buyers. Entered our program, we instructed them along the way, educated them, and now they're homeowners. So now this person that started with a 530 now has a 770 credit score. They're getting creditors coming at them wanting to give them credit cards. Okay. You know the difference. <laughs> you know, once you're in that level of, you know, 720 or higher, it's pretty much, you know, you're you're like the 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 golden goose, so mm -hmm. to say. And so what we taught them in the process is the value of what their credit needs to be. Why you need to buy a house and then how you should use your house now since there's no pensions around, how you can structure your house using insurance products to be able to leverage that and create your own pension. Yikes. Are you hearing this or am I in the twilight zone? Because this is crazy. This is stuff I think that should be taught in school. And, you know, I'm not going to speak negatively about the current educational system because my sponsors, oops, I don't have sponsors. Things need to be improved, <laughs> you know? And I think early financial literacy being taught means that you don't have the problems with the credit cards in college. And you, you, your thinking is kind of calibrated. You don't just go through life looking to grab all kind of things and putting yourself into debt and putting yourself in bad situations so let me ask this where does a young person start uh, someone who is 22 years old maybe minimum wage but his or her ears are open they feel like there's something that they want to secure in their future financially but this is where i am today where do i begin how do i start well i always start off with the the, the motto of it's not how much money you make it's how much money you keep Right. You know, little is much, you know, when it's put in the master's hand. So I, my viewpoint is this, is that it's the education aspect of how credit and debt works. OK, you know, you have people in our our hood, so to say, that can go out and buy a ninety thousand dollar Lexus. Right. OK, they can buy a ninety thousand dollar Lexus and still living at mom's. Right. Well, if with the proper education to say, hey, this is why you don't want to do that. You could take that same, whatever you're going to be paying, $1,500 a month. And if you've redirected it properly, you can start saving for, you know, a down payment on a property. My whole thing is, is that we should be teaching kids how to, you know, access property by the time they're 18. Okay, and it's very easy to do that. Absolutely. You know, and it just takes the, like you said, getting the the mentality right. And and I tell people this way, you know, with the cost of education. Okay, 
what would you rather have your child do? You know, if they get good grades, that's great. What do you want to have them do? Take out $120,000, $150,000 in student loans with the hope to get a job after they finish after three or four or five years? Or if I could teach your child how to be set up to buy a house for $120,000, $150,000, that they've created their first asset, now they have leveraging power to be able to buy another property to buy another property and then they could finance their education, you know, self-finance their education themselves after they build up their portfolio. You know, so it's a whole thing of a paradigm shift of mentality of what we got to do with kids. I, you know, you look at some of the richest people in the world. Did they go to college? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ragging on education. Education is important, but the consumption right. of education we have to understand changes with the advent of technology. I learned a lot of my information self-learning on YouTube. I saved $150 on getting my HVAC system repaired because I went and looked on YouTube. So the information is out there. It's the way that we consume education that has changed due to, due to technology that a lot of people are still stuck in this traditional mindset. And just with a little education as far as, hey, if I can show you how to get your credit right, show you, learn, teach you about trade lines, you know, teach you about authorized users, how you can get credit history, you know, faster uh, in some cases where now you can be positioned to buy that house, to, to finance that business, to, you know, go into that, you know, that franchise. And that's what you want to do. You want to start building these assets sooner rather than later. And like I said, hey, you don't have to go to the Ivy League schools. Shoot, you go to your community college. You'll save a ton of money in tuition and be able to still work your nine, you know, your your nine to five at the time. And then as you're transitioning into your your business, you know, and that's the thing that I think we should be focusing on is, is teaching people the entrepreneurial mindset, not the nine to five worker bee mindset. You know what I mean? Because what's going to happen as we talked about automation, even white collar, you know, we always look at blue collar jobs getting automated. I actually say it's the contrary. It's many of the white collar jobs with analytics and business intelligence that are getting, you know, taken out. Right. You're actually seeing more um, need for labor or trade jobs and skills than you are for white collar jobs. So, you know, that's another thing. And, you know, it, it kind of segues into, you know, a real big area that's, you know, becoming a passion for me mm -hmm. is going back and teaching our youth and our communities how to farm. Okay, you know, what's going to happen is that you're seeing with the automation, you're seeing a lot of these malls. And I think I talked to you about mm -hmm. this the other day where you're seeing a lot of these malls and business. Uh, uh, a lot of inventory is going to come on the market for these business and commercial areas because people are working from home now through technology. They're working from home. They don't need all these executive offices. That's right. You know, you have the Amazons, right, where you can order online and, and people aren't going to the malls like they're used to. So, I mean, we just had the mall around here, the Burlington Center close up. So you have thousands and thousands of square footage of, of, of space that's going unused. Mm -hmm. And my thought is now people are becoming conscious about their diets, right? You know, how about we use technology now where you can create controlled environments, take up these large spaces and start creating, you know, farms.
you know, where we're growing, you know, food, organically uh, grown food year round. And now we bring it closer to the population, reducing the price. And now we're encouraging people to have a better diet. A better diet creates a better, uh, men, you know, mental state. You know, a lot of times these kids are, are having problems because of their diet. Right. You know what I'm saying? So that's one of the things, you know, as far as thinking creatively about how we see the changing environment and the landscape occurring. How can we be creative and change that and make that useful for, you know, our, our populations? Don't today? tell them any more <laughs> because my mind just started thinking about some things um, that we need to discuss about all these available spaces. So I'm sorry we can't hear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have some ideas. All right. So. I could literally sit here all day. If you're anything like me, you're enjoying this. I mean, I'm as happy as a fat man with <laughs> a shirt made out of cupcakes. Like I am super happy. Is, right this now. is just a glimpse of the conversations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Oh man, this is good stuff. So, all right, let me close with this. On a whole nother note, what is the sweetest sound you've ever heard? The ocean. What do you hope to see someday? What I hope to see someday is a time when people don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from, where their next, you know, whether they have a house or whatever, that we have the ability to equip people that, you know, poverty is, is, a, is, a, is non-existent. And what's one word that describes your future? Bright. There you have it. I couldn't have said it any better. Reach for the highest good. We're going to see you soon. This coffee is going somewhere. It's some good coffee. It's some good coffee. <laughs>